G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. The 2020 Summer Series on Vision Christian Radio. Yeah, I've actually opened for a lot of like mainstream artists and um, like in nightclubs and everything like that. And it's funny, I, I, I was the opening act for a rapper called Kid Inc. And um, so I went on stage. I did one song called Therapy, which is a real nice song talking about music is my therapy. And then the next song I did was Misfit. And Misfit in the chorus, it says, yeah, I'm a Jesus freak and all that kind of thing. And um, when I got off the stage, there was a lot of like people that were intoxicated or under the influence and... But they came up to me like, that was awesome, man. Like, that was real life music. We need more of this and not this stuff that's up on the stage right now. So that was kind of cool. It was like kind of cool to get the insight from non-Christian people that actually enjoyed what I was doing. So that was kind of cool. You're obviously making an impact when it comes to the hip-hop scene. As I mentioned, uh, hip-hop's gone in a really, really, uh, for some people, a disturbing direction uh, over the past 30 years. As you look on the actual hip-hop scene in a secular sense, uh, what's your sort of impression of the way things have begun to unfold in that area? Um, Well, a lot of it I I can't listen to, especially in the music these days. Back when I was growing up, because um, like I'm mid thirties, so I'm, I'm I'm up there in age for a lot of um, the younger crowd. But um, when I was growing up, a lot of the rappers were talking about being drug dealers and all that kind of thing. But where these days they're more talking about being drug addicts. So it's kind of like it's escalated into like the rappers back in the nineties and the two thousands were talking about it's cool to be a drug dealer. So they kind of got infatuated with drugs and ended up taking it. And now it's like cool to take drugs and all that kind of thing. So. Uh, cool yeah, to be sorry. a cool to be a drug dealer. Cool to be a drug addict. I wonder whether that says something about uh, people who are, you know, the followers of hip hop. Uh, mm. Whether or not that's the way that the music has evolved. Because in one sense, because you know, you can be a little bit insular in your own Christian environment. Yeah, definitely. But to get out into the real world and see what people are following, the real hip hop artists yeah. who are talking about being cool and being the drug addict uh, because there are people who are into the drug scene and the drug issues are, are prevalent yep. uh, and and they're actually just uh, trying to identify with their audience. Yeah, definitely. A lot of them do do it. Um, there's a couple that I know that aren't actually in that lifestyle but they just they talk about it and rap about it basically to get money and to get popular and everything like that. So they're kind of just following the, the cool scene but they're pulling people down at the same time, so which is what us as a collective, um, as I'm part of a group called The Commission and also Crosswords Logan, and we're trying to pull people out of that to, I guess, be better in themselves and to respect themselves as well as a person. So, yeah. Now, let me ask you something a little more personal, Reese, yep. because you're D4C, Disciple <laughs> for Christ. Yep. And uh, I remember when I first met you and I said to you, oh, that sounds a lot like divorcee. <laughs> yeah. And you said, well, actually, that's part of my testimony. Yep. Let us in on a few of that, those background details. Um, yeah, well, I first got married when I was 21. Obviously, there was, there was trouble because um, we were trying to fall pregnant and we were, I was told since I was 21 that I couldn't be a dad. 
and uh, but kept trying, kept trying, kept trying. But um, obviously that got the better of my wife at the time. And four years into the marriage, uh, we split because she ran off with another guy. At that time, yeah, that really, I guess, damaged me as a person. Um, I've been a Christian my whole life, never had anything happen to me that was, I guess, wrong or made me feel depressed or anything like that. And that was the first time, and it all hit me in one go because at the same time, I was um, really up into trying to become a professional basketball player and I tore my ACL and so that kind of messed that up and so there was two things in this one moment that just tore me down and then music was the only thing I really had to fall back on and I cried out to God and then I just wrote a yeah I wrote a rap put it on YouTube and the rest is history. <laughs> yeah. so. Well, it's interesting, isn't it, that some of the most depressing, depressing and low points in our life can be the triggers for the greatest creativity and yeah. uh, and testimony and honour to you because you chose to actually move into a, a way where you could serve God more effectively rather mm. than blame God for some of the, you know, the, the world is falling down around you. And uh, yeah, no doubt that would have been a very, very tough time. But that was really a trigger that launched you into doing what you do today. Yeah, definitely. Well, I did blame God for a long time, and I told him that he had to show himself and um, that I'd had enough. I'm I'm sick of this life if this is how... Me as a Christian is getting treated. I can't handle this. And then it was like the next day I received three different texts from old friends that I used to go to church with. They had they didn't know what was going on in my life at the time, but I got three different texts from people just saying, "Hey, I'm thinking about you. Got you in my prayers," and sent me like um, Bible verses as well. And then the last text was from another friend who said they uh, invited me to come along to uh, an Islander night that was at their church. Um, because they knew I was into that culture and into that um, type of music. So I was like, oh, I'll give it a shot. So I went along to that, and then, yeah, it was like the preacher was just preaching straight at me. And I was like, yeah, God, I'll give you everything. So I re- pretty much just rededicated myself on the spot, even though I hadn't gone anywhere. But I think I kind of took it for granted as a Christian because I'd grown up in that kind of environment and hadn't had anything wrong go on in my life. And then because I had all this happen, I was like, yeah, God, I know you're real. Um and I give everything to you, so I'm sold out pretty much. So. And these days, uh, fair enough to say, uh, you're remarried. Yes. And you have a beautiful baby. Yeah, I have two kids now, two and kids. I was told I couldn't have kids. So. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. No, that's, uh, that is just fabulous. And your ministry is primarily to young people. And now let me just qualify that because... As I think back, and as I said, you know, the past decade, 20 years, 30 years, I remember uh, when hip-hop music was just becoming popular, and we're going back 30 years. So this is not necessarily a young person's generation music. This is something that now has a significant history, and it's not just young people who actually like hip-hop. No, it's not, yeah. Well, because I'm 35, there's a lot of people around my age as well that are really into it. And so... We we try and cater for both, I guess. There's a lot of... Because when I used to write, it was predominantly for the youth groups and everything like that. But as I've toured around Australia and done a lot of stuff, I've noticed that it's it's young adults as well as people in their 30s that are hurting as well. Obviously, there's songs that you'll perform at a youth group and then there's songs that you perform when you're out talking to the public and then there's songs that you perform for when we go into jails or juvenile detention centres and that where you just want to try and reach the target, uh, the, the audience. So... Uh, we're about to hear one of your songs, El Shaddai, and it's been really one of your most popular songs. Yeah, yeah. Uh, give us a little bit of a rundown. What uh, what have you achieved with this particular song we're about to hear? Yeah, well, yeah, this song was crazy. Um, 
So I wrote it a couple of years ago, and uh, I plan to release it on Good Friday this year. So I did, um, and I had a message from a friend on Good Friday, go check iTunes charts, go check iTunes charts. And I was like, okay. And I've never thought about charting because it's never been anything I'd really worried about. And it was number 88 in the top 100 in the um, inspirational charts. And I was like, whoa, this is insane. I was like, man, this is crazy. <laughs> so I was like doing all these posts on Facebook and um, and Instagram and then – I was performing that day um, for an uh, Easter thing in um, Fortitude Valley on the street. But, um, yeah, and then after that event, I looked at it again, and I was like number 57. And then when I got home, I was number 24, and it just kept going. And then the next morning, I woke up, and I, was, I think I was number 11. I was like, this is crazy. Can I make top 10? And then I was number 10. And then on the Sunday morning uh, of Easter, uh, I was number 7, and then that – day i was performing at the easter united in on the gold coast in front of like a couple thousand people so i just got up on stage and I'm like yeah this song just went number seven help me beat hillsong so but yeah. hillsong were one two three four and five so there was no <laughs> chance i could kill on top of them but it was kind of cool yeah it went number seven so a biblical perspective of life culture and current events the 2020 summer series on vision yeah it's 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 slow growing it's grown a lot in the last like year or so, uh, la- last couple of years, um, for a while, hip hop re- wasn't really what churches were looking for or anything for um, like youth events or anything like that. But it's kind of changing, especially with like how Lecrae and all those guys are growing in um, popularity as well. It's kind of helping us, and like we're constantly working hard at it, trying to open doors and everything for, especially for the younger guys that are underneath us, that are not underneath us, sorry, but that are. Um, behind us trying to up and coming help the yeah, up and coming yeah. that's what i'm looking for it sounds a lot better <laughs> <laughs> okay now when you actually singing uh rapping hip-hop style uh there is a sense in which uh, sharing your testimony in between tracks is one thing but yep. you actually share your testimony during the songs yes and uh, and it's an interesting way that you can do that because as we've just heard when we heard El Shaddai, uh, a lot of good strong Christian lyrics in there, and and I guess introducing young people to a Christian terminology that they might not yet be used to. Yeah, I actually I actually had a lot of people ask me, "What does El Shaddai mean?" <laughs> so it was good to be able to like, well, it's one of the names of God. So they're like, "Oh, okay." So um, yeah, it's I, I like I, I'm better at rapping than I am I, than I am at talking. I always had a stutter while I was a kid growing up, so rapping was a lot easier. I, even, like, I hated talking in front of crowds and everything like that, but rapping has kind of – I've stepped out of my comfort zone to be able to do it, and I just find it a lot easier. Like, now the stage is my comfort zone, <laughs> so it's kind of – yeah, it's cool how that kind of turns itself around. Interesting with the way people think about hip-hop music, and as I reflect on uh, the things that I've noticed, and not that I'm a hip-hop aficionado in any way but the language that is used in secular style mainstream hip-hop music uh really the shock value has to be there <laughs> yeah. uh, to capture attention yeah uh, and that shock value clearly uh you know clearly you don't have those sorts of lyrics in your songs uh your shock value is coming from a different a different way but what about your reflection on on just the way language has changed in hip-hop songs over the last uh, 20 30 years yeah, well, back in like the 80s, 90s, there was a lot less swear words. Like, it was a lot more creativity, which is where a lot of like the guys that I, uh, that I do songs with were in that 
old school mentality, I guess, where lyrics are the end all of what you should be doing with music. Where these days it's like they'll just chuck a swear word wherever they can fit a, a, a syllable, and it's yeah. To me, it's a, it's it's a loss of creativity, I guess. But yeah, it, it it's becoming the normal. <laughs> Even just people talking out in the street, you hear it a million times. It's just what it. It's just yeah. It's becoming normal. So trying to change that, I guess, is the main purpose uh, you've been doing this for 10 years and uh, let me just just bring in here because you're happy to perform and to be a minister of the gospel when people invite you mm-hmm. uh, to their church uh, to their special event they might have some sort of concert they might have some sort of outreach that's happening in their town or their city uh, are you prepared to travel and no doubt you'll need your expenses covered but if someone wants a hip-hop artist <laughs> You're you're open to that? Oh yeah, I've been doing that for ten years. So I've I've toured all around Australia, Philippines, Thailand, everything. So okay, so overseas and uh, in Australia. And uh, what about uh, outback towns? Have you done too many events in the outback towns? Um, I haven't really gone into the outback, but I've done a couple like Aboriginal colonies, and I think the fur- furthest inland I've gone is probably Dubbo. So all right, okay. Yeah. Well, there's some uh, some inspiration, and I just. Uh, you know, that whole uh, idea of uh, when you are a Christian artist, uh, the viability of you uh, making a living from what you do best as a minister of the gospel, sometimes that relies upon people in communities actually going to your website, making contact, and yep. finding out how they can actually get you there, and in some ways uh, covering your expenses and perhaps a little bit extra on top. I'll point people to your website uh, where people can go to uh, to actually make contact with you so that they can actually book you for an event. Yep. It's the 413 Records website, 413, so... 413records.com, that is a record company that you formed yep. and uh, you're uh, on there as well, but you, there's a number of other artists that you're also uh, supporting uh, that you've got on your uh, your label. Yep. I've had a lot of artists under my under my label, um, but, yeah, as the way it all goes, a lot of them don't continue on as, you know, we don't make a massive living off of what we're doing, so... Um, yeah, but I just continue to keep going and continue to keep going as much as possible. And a lot of it is financed through me working full time. Um, but I know that me doing this is a lot bigger than, um, me. I, I, I can't step away from doing this. This is what I love. It's what I enjoy and it's what I actually believe I'm called for. So, um, yeah. Before you go, thanks for listening. There's lots more great audio on demand, or you can listen to us live at visionradio.org.au. And remember, Vision is listener-supported. Your donation, large or small, will help us continue connecting faith to life for hundreds of thousands of people across Australia and around the world. Learn more or donate today at visionradio.org.au.